We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. You are listening to Pop Torah with Rabbi Iznopf and Olitsky, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Pop Torah, the podcast where we talk about how Judaism influences our appreciation of pop culture and how pop culture influences our understanding of the text and tradition of our faith. As always, we are your hosts. I am Rabbi Jesse Olitsky. And I'm Rabbi Michael Knopf. And today we are talking about Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, the sequel to Glass Onion, the new Netflix film where Daniel Craig is back as Detective Benoit Blanc. Benoit Blanc. I tried to do his, his accent. <laughs> uh, Benoit Blanc, his southern accent. Benoit should... Blanc. <laughs> Mike. In an accent, can you tell us what happened in this uh, murder mystery? Well, I surely could try to do that for you and unravel this glass onion that is uh, both proverbial and real in this <laughs> major motion picture. So Glass Onion, as you said, is the follow-up. I'm not sure if I would call it a sequel, a follow-up to uh, Ryan Johnson's uh, fantastic Knives Out uh, right, the, which, the only connection is Daniel Craig's character. That's right. So uh, Ryan Johnson has actually uh, spoken about this. He is not happy with the with uh, Netflix's uh, uh, insistence that it be called Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery uh, in the same way that, um, you know, uh, various Sherlock Holmes stories are not called, you know, uh, such and such, right? A Hound of the Baskervilles uh, mystery, right? Or uh, Or Agatha Christie stories being like, you know, uh, um, uh, uh, and then there were none, a murder on the Orient Express mystery or something like that, right? These are um, individual uh, uh, stories that happen to uh, uh, involve the same central character, which, is, right. as you mentioned, is Daniel Craig's Benoit Blanc. Uh, and uh, and so this is, uh, he's the only connective tissue, of course, to, to Knives Out and the fact that this is a, a murder mystery just as Knives Out was. Uh, but if you haven't seen Knives Out, uh, do yourself a favor and, uh, and and check it out. It was it was great. We didn't talk about it on the podcast, uh, but but really definitely worth checking out. And Glass Onion, uh, I thought was was phenomenal. We'll get into talking about that in just a minute. So uh, the uh, the plot. Uh, and by the way, this is going to be a spoiler filled episode. If you haven't seen uh, 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 Glass Onion. Uh, definitely do yourself a favor, stop the podcast now, go and see it, and then listen to, to the pod because we're going to talk about everything, and it's a murder mystery, so we're going to uh, spoil the mystery for you. Uh, and try and to understand the twists and turns, which apparently Ben Shapiro did not appreciate. <laughs> right. <clears throat> uh, so the, uh, the, uh, the the story uh, follows um, a, uh, a murder mystery party that is going to take place at the uh, uh, extraordinary private island of uh, a tech billionaire that may or may not be loosely based on uh, Elon Musk, uh, or maybe uh, Jeff Bezos, maybe a little bit of Steve Jobs thrown in there, maybe a little Mark Zuckerberg thrown in there. Uh, but I think uh, it's intentionally uh, a combination of all of them. Right. So Miles Braun, uh, played by Edward Norton, 
the founder of a technology company called Alpha, uh, hosts a murder mystery game at his mansion during the COVID-19 pandemic uh, in, in May of uh, 2020. Uh, and he invites uh, some of his closest circle of friends uh, who are also uh, the people who uh, directly benefit from his friendship. Uh, so uh, we uh, follow, uh, uh, we follow uh, Janelle Monet um, is uh, um, uh, Andy Brand, uh, who is the, uh, uh, the, um, the Miles's ex-business partner, uh, Catherine Hahn, uh, is uh, Claire DeBella, uh, the governor of Connecticut and now running for United States Senate. Leslie Odom Jr. is uh, um, uh, Lionel, scientist. The, the head scientist of Miles's company. Um, uh, uh, Madeline Klein uh, plays uh, Whiskey, who is uh, the girlfriend of Dave Batista's Duke Cody, um, a uh, vi video game streamer and men's rights activist and uh, Twitch influencer. He, he's, uh, he's basically meant to be like an OAN, uh, right? Or like a uh, crazy right-wing January 6th insurrectionist type. Right, exactly. Uh, and uh, Kate Hudson is Birdie J., uh, who is a uh, fashion designer slash supermodel turned uh, influencer. Um, and they all go to this private island for this murder mystery game. Uh, and uh, as does Daniel Craig's Benoit Blanc, uh, who uh, it is uh, supposed at the, at the beginning of the, in the first act of the movie, <clears throat> has been accidentally uh, invited to this murder mystery. Um, he uh, uh, frustratingly uh, to Miles Braun solves the mystery in very short order, uh, only to uh, only to discover that a real murder has taken place. Twist number one, uh, and that uh, now we need uh, the world's greatest detective Benoit Blanc uh, to uh, solve this very real mystery when uh, uh, Dave Batista's Ducote uh, dies of an apparent poisoning. Um, in the course of events, we discover that uh, that Janelle Monae's uh, Andy Brand is not actually Andy Brand. Um, it's Andy's twin sister, Helen Brand. This is like a soap opera. <laughs> because uh, Andy has been murdered and we don't know who has murdered Andy. Uh, and so the, uh, the, the story presumes that whoever has murdered uh, murder Duke is likely involved in the murder of Andy, and we are now unraveling this glass onion. Uh, in the uh, in the course of events, uh, we uh, discover that, of course, it is uh, Miles who is responsible for the murder of Andy, his former business partner, because Andy is about to go public uh, with the uh, with with the truth that she is responsible for having uh, uh, generated all of the ideas that led to the founding of this uh, uh, mega tech company, uh, and she's going to uh, unmask uh, uh, Miles Braun as a as a fraud, uh, and. All of these other uh, people um, are who benefit from Miles want to make sure that he stays in power because uh, their their payday is directly connected to him. So they want to uh, help cover up this murder uh, that he has committed. Uh, uh, Benoit Blanc helps uh, Helen uh, reveal this uh, this uh, the fact that uh, that Miles has murdered uh, that that Miles has murdered Andy uh, and. 
uh, uh, Miles is able to hide the fact that uh, that that he has committed this murder by burning the only evidence that Helen has and ensuring that those who are closest to him uh, keep his dirty secret. Uh, but uh, but through a a, a turn of events, uh, Helen is uh, able to. Uh, to to destroy everything that uh, that Miles has, including the original Mona Lisa, uh, which uh, Miles has uh, arranged to have on loan to him uh, from the Louvre uh, because of the COVID pandemic. Uh, his dream had always been to be mentioned in the same breath as Leonardo da Vinci and the Mona Lisa. Uh, Andy, therefore, ensuring. Uh, that uh, or Helen rather ensuring that therefore uh, he is going to be mentioned in the same breath but now in infamy because he is responsible for the destruction of this priceless work of art. In the course of it we have some uh, great uh, cameos uh, such as Ethan Hawke as Miles's assistant um, which I was I was certain that in seeing Ethan Hawke in that role uh, that 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 he was going to be the murderer uh, that was a great misdirect um, uh, other uh, there, uh, when we were first introduced to Benoit Blanc, we uh, we discover uh, that he's sitting in a bathtub uh, playing a murder mystery game on Zoom with uh, with the great Angela Lansbury of blessed memory, uh, Stephen Sondheim yeah, of blessed Stephen memory. Stephen Sondheim, that was a great uh, one. But uh, uh, Natasha Lyonne and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Um, and, and Natasha Lyonne, by the way, will be in uh, a new Ryan Johnson uh, television series, a murder mystery series where she'll be the star detective streaming on peacock in the coming months amazing um other amazing uh cameos in this serena williams as uh as a, a fitness instructor that's sort of on demand uh, for uh miles uh and just kind of sits on screen you, you see it as a screen think it's just a screenshot and it turns out that it's actually serena williams saying like are you gonna you know work out or am i just gonna sit here <laughs> it's like, okay it's your money uh yo-yo ma jake tapper uh and then of course um, uh, 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 Jeremy Renner, uh, uh, who, uh, we wish at, at the moment is, uh, is, uh, in critical condition, uh, but stable condition after an accident. Um, uh, uh, we wish him Rufua Shlema, um, but, uh, Jeremy Renner, uh, in, uh, some very, uh, uh, smart usage of hot sauce, uh, and, uh, very tense usage of hot sauce, um, and, uh, Jared Leto. Who apparently uh, is a uh, has a uh, hard kombucha conglomerate, <laughs> according to the movie. Just, just, uh, just, just great and very smart uh, uh, references and commentaries throughout the movie. Uh, just a delight, I thought, throughout the movie. What did you think of Glass Onion, Jesse? I thought it was a blast. Um, uh, my daughter has recently gotten really into murder mysteries, and so we let uh, her watch it with us, uh, which. Uh, what one could say, what was a, a good or bad decision, depending on one's parenting choices. Uh, a lot of the social commentary, of course, was was uh, went over my child's head, but there was a lot of pausing going on, which is my favorite part of the murder mystery, to try to see, all right, who do we think it is? Who do we think it is? Right, the the big reveal that Andy was actually Helen happened midway through the movie when we see. Um, uh, Janelle Monet and Daniel Craig's characters meeting uh, by the steps and he calls her Helen and we were all taken aback. We're like, did he just say Helen? And then she's shot and you think she's dead and right. he's upset because you think she's dead. And then they do the whole flashback, um, which reveals the backstory 
Um, and then you realize she's actually not dead. She's playing dead. Uh, it was it was a great, uh, uh, great dark comedy, murder mystery, social commentary. Um, I think it really played up the pandemic well in the sense that uh, it the way it used masks and the way people wore masks to uh, offer commentary on those individuals, right? The 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 right wing MAGA guy who refused to wear a mask. You had um, Kate Hudson's character, who was the social influencer Birdie, um, who wore a a, <laughs> a, a mesh a, mask, a mesh uh, mask, chainmail mask. Um, you, you you had Catherine Hahn, who was the governor. Uh, who wore a mask that didn't fit and that kept being under her nose. Uh, right. You, you had Leslie Odom Jr. Who was the scientist who was the only one who was wearing a KN95 mask. Uh, so I think that that was wonderful commentary. Um, I, I also thought it really spoke to the idea of how we worship social influencers, um, how we worship the, these um, tech uh, giants uh, and these uh, inventors, as if, as you said, right, that, that they are these modern day Da Vinci's um, when, when they aren't. Um, it, it's it's fascinating to me um, what it was saying about somebody like Elon Musk. And this is back before Elon Musk bought Twitter. Right. This was just when he owned Tesla and, and was a, a man baby. Uh, it, it, it was really an fascinating social commentary um and uh, on how uh those who we reward for having that power and being uh, a, a genius often aren't the ones who are the genius they are just the ones who make a power grab and leave others behind uh what the story also tells is that all of these people were all friends right and they were all hanging out at this bar, the Glass Onion, uh, and weren't going anywhere in life. And then Miles Braun was what elevated them, except we we find out that he was a grifter uh, and, and he was a, a snake oil salesman. And that what he was actually doing was taking advantage of them for his own personal gain. Right. I, so uh, I also love this. I thought it was a blast. Um, you know, there, there were even, uh, I just realized cameos that I neglected to mention that are definitely worth mentioning, uh, like Hugh Grant uh, as uh, Benoit Blanc's husband. Yes, uh, that I loved. Joseph Gordon-Levitt uh, voicing the dong <laughs> that uh, that rings every, I guess, hour uh, at... Uh... Which is very important because that continues... Uh, the the streak that Joseph Gordon-Levitt has appeared in every single one of Ryan Johnson's films. Uh, that's right. He he was a stormtrooper, I believe, in uh, in uh, the Last Jedi. I think also Daniel Craig was a stormtrooper in the Last Jedi. That is correct. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. Um, and it, and it also the, the you know the movie just like shows you um how insightful and and incisive uh, Dan, uh Ryan Johnson is. Um, and how uh, proficient he is as a storyteller. How, how could he have foreseen uh, Elon Musk's, you know, real-time implosion uh, that would have happened after this movie, if not to kind of like see that, you know, really the emperor had no clothes all along. Um, the fact that he cast, you know, uh, Angela Lansbury and Stephen Sondheim in cameos in this movie, and then, uh, you know, it just just uh, uh, presumably months before they 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 both died, 
um, in, in 2020. Um, just just really uh, incredible. Um, so I, I agree. I thought this was a blast. I thought Knives Out was a blast. Um, it's really refreshing. And you and I have you know spent a lot of time uh, talking about Marvel movies and Star Wars properties. And, you know, I'll still, you know, pay good money to go see the next Star Wars thing. Um, I just paid a lot of money to go see Star Wars in person uh, at uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios in, in Florida at their uh, Star Wars Galaxy Edge Park. So, you know, listen, I'm 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 part of the machine uh, and uh, part of the, you know, I, I basically work for Kevin. We both basically work for Kevin Feige now, as we've said. Um, but it's just nice to see um, original storytelling um, that's not part of existing uh, uh, intellectual property, uh, and uh, and that's what Ryan Johnson is is providing here. So it, it just you know smart and and funny uh, and and insightful. So let's let's dive into the social commentary, uh, Jesse, because you brought up uh, some of these some of these points. Um, I think that you know the the heart of the social commentary here, of course, is as you said, um, uh, which is the the ways in which we. Uh, venerate, uh, you know, these um, these these tech moguls uh, of of our time, you know, that that, that have um, been a part of the extraordinary transformation of our world. You know, we we call them uh, uh, innovators. Um, we you know laud their successes. We uh, help line their pockets um, and uh, and and uh, make sure through our votes. Um, that they have only, you know, really the the very bare minimum of of oversight, right? And these companies uh, have been you know, like Facebook, Apple, Google um, have been allowed um, to have, you know, essentially monopoly power uh, over our world and and over our lives. You know, extraordinary power in the hands of of these individuals. And now with Elon Musk uh, and Twitter, uh, it, it, you know, it's looking like. Uh, uh, the emperor has been revealed to have no clothes, but uh, the the idea behind it that 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 you know Elon Musk, um, uh, the world's richest man, at least he was, um, uh, uh, will, will also holds the lever of of, of power uh, on um, one of the world's most transformational communications tools. Um, you know, is 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 an extraordinary, in some ways, frightening development. But there's not much that our political leaders seem, you know, willing. Uh, or even able to to do about it in part because we vote for them and we have said that we you know like these uh we like Facebook and Instagram and Google too much to risk uh what might happen or Amazon too much for what might happen if we were to you know more heavily regulate them so so we've allowed this to happen we venerate these people um what do you what do you take from what uh glass onion is saying about this and what do you think is the torah of it you know, it's it's interesting. Collider had a great article that said that uh, the the point of the movie is to say influence is an illusion, right? That that Miles Braun, uh, Edward Norton's character, he calls this group of individuals the disruptors. Um, and when in actuality, he's actually hasn't disrupted anything because right. he hasn't influenced anything um, because uh, he goes to great lengths to try to show that he has. Uh, but but it, it's it's all an act. Um, he is more behind the scenes. Uh, he, he's given careers to other people. Right. About uh, Duke's uh, role in a news channel or or. Um, Catherine Hahn's character's political campaign or the resurgence uh, of Kate Hudson, Bertie Jay's um, uh, social media and, and modeling influencer career 
Um, but also with that power, I think comes uh, a, a a lack of concern um, for or for other people. Um, and with power, you want more power, right? The, the whole point of this movie, and this is really the climax of the movie, which led to the explosion of the glass onion itself of um, uh, of Miles Braun's um, resort on this private island was this clear, which was this sort of hydrogen crystal. Right. Um, and, and there was a deep concern. There was a deep concern by Lionel from the scientist perspective. There's deep concern uh, politically of what it would mean for Catherine Hahn. But they all were sort of being blackmailed by Miles Braun. Um, and he had no care or concern for the real life uh, harm it could do. All he cared about was how it would bring him more power um and and more prestige even if it wasn't him that found this technology that created this technology we learn later in the film that it was actually such controversial technology that led to a falling out between andy and miles to begin with um so i think really more than anything else is it speaks to how we prop up people uh, who we think have influence when more often than not, they're like an emperor without clothes um, that, that um, their influence is also really a house of cards, how quickly they, they fall. Uh, you know, you right. talked about Elon Musk being, or at one point um, being the most wealthiest man in, in the world. Um, and he's still, um, you know, has a lot of money. He still is probably the wealthiest man in the world. Um, he also lost $200 billion from his net worth. Uh, you, you know, uh, th- th- because of how much money it says, uh, you know, when he s- bought Twitter uh, and focused on that, how much uh, Tesla decreased in value. Um, and so I think it just goes to show you that he, all Edward Norton's character is about uh, is, is about keeping up his presentation um, and um, presenting a certain version of himself when really that version of himself is all about keeping himself in power. What he does for other people is really about to benefit himself. We learn that he's the one who ends up killing Duke Cody because Duke Cody finds out that Andy Brand is dead uh, mm-hmm. and he wants to prevent that information from getting out. Um, it's all about keeping himself in power. Uh, I, I think that, that that's absolutely right. And I think that what you're, what you're saying, you know, underscores the, the danger um, of, you know, this, um, uh, you know, incredible concentration of, of uh, wealth, um, in the hands of um, of of so few people, um, you know, even if they are geniuses and have you know contributed something extraordinary to society, which in some cases they may very well be, right? I mean, Steve Jobs um, is you know was 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 arguably at least a, a design genius. Um, uh, one one of the things that always sticks out to me from uh, his uh, from from the biopic. Uh, that um, Aaron Sorkin wrote about him, Jobs. Um, was that Jobs or Steve Jobs? There were two movies that, that came out simultaneously. But anyway, um, uh, uh, 
Seth Rogen's uh, character was Steve Wozniak, uh, the, the uh, Steve Jobs' founding partner uh, of Apple, says to him at one point, um, you know, it's not a binary, Steve. Like, you can make amazing things and not be a jerk, um, right? Uh, uh, you know, like, your, your products don't have to be better than you, right? right. Um, and Steve Jobs says, no, that's exactly the point, is that my products are better than me. Um, and, uh, and, and I can be a jerk. Uh, um, if I, if what I'm doing is producing great things. So, you know, there, there is a way, and this is, you know, perfectly American. And I think that this is, you know, one of the ways in which Judaism, um, is a, importantly countercultural, um, is to say that, you know, integrity matters and that, uh, and that, and that who we are, uh, matters, right. That, uh, that we presume that, you know, that, that somebody who is, uh, uh, rich and famous and, you know, productive, um, that those are ethical values in and of themselves. Uh, but of course they, they aren't. And when we uh, allow people to have, um, you know, these extraordinary concentrations of, of, of wealth and power and, and influence, but have no concern about the kind of people that they are or how they treat other people, um, you, it's a recipe for disaster. And, 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 it, particularly in our society where, you know, the Supreme Court has said that, you know, money counts as speech. Um, and so therefore, the people with the most gold get to make the rules, right? That's the golden rule. <laughs> that, that's really, I think that that is very much the message of, of, of this movie, that money equals power equals influence. Right, exactly. And so, you know, so that we there's another tech billionaire that we didn't mention in, in the course of this conversation. That's Peter Thiel, uh, the founder of PayPal, um, who has, you know, who, who has bankrolled Donald Trump and who has bankrolled uh, J.D. Vance most recently in, uh, in, in Ohio. Is there any sense that J.D. Vance would have been uh, perceived as qualified to be a United States senator, much less to be elected as United States senator, were it not for the uh, uh, millions upon millions that Peter Thiel had had poured into his campaign, largely to benefit, um, if not the uh, business interests of a person like Peter Thiel, then at least the worldview of a person like Peter Thiel. Um, so uh, this is this is real life for us. We're, we're living with the realities of uh, of of you know uh, pouring money into the pockets of these um, tech oligarchs. Uh, uh, allowing them to maintain monopoly power uh, over their industries, um, which in turn uh, fuels their uh, fuels their resources um, and enables them to buy politicians, to buy uh, elected officials, to buy Supreme Court justices. Um, you know, the, the Torah uh, says very clearly, uh, Exodus 23 verse 8, chapter 23, verse 8, a bribe blinds the clear-sighted and subverts the cause of those who are in the right. And Deuteronomy 16, chapter 16, verse 19, echoes that same statement with nearly identical language. Um, bribery is a perversion of justice, uh, but, uh, but yet we essentially allow this form of political bribery under the guise that money equals speech and that corporations are people. Uh, you know, for me, it's it's more than just about money equals power, right? That what this is um, also telling us is the difference between somebody who wants to lead for the sake of leading uh, and somebody who wants to do innovative and be a quote-unquote disruptor, as Miles Brown calls himself, for the sake of betterment of humanity and those who want to do it for their own ego. Right? There, there's this great debate 
um, about Korach and the, and the Torah uh, and what is actually so wrong with what Korach does, right? Korach challenges the leadership of Moshe, challenges the leadership of Aharon. Um, and he says, you know, basically, what makes you think that you are better than me? Right? What makes you think you are so holy that you're the only people that could talk to God? And on face value, I agree with everything that Korach is saying. Um, but what rabbinic commentary suggests is that Korach actually um, isn't interested in um, giving power to the people. He's interested in being the person in power. And we know that people of power have influence People of influence have power. Uh, but what we know is that it's what you do with that power when you have it and why you want that power. There are some people who want that power just to prop up their own egos, right? We we see that with Donald Trump. We see that with an Elon Musk, that uh, they need to be uh, coddled. They need to be patted on the back. They need to be told how great they are. They need their ego stroked. Uh, and rabbinic commentary suggests that that was the problem with Korach, that Korach was just jealous of the power that Moshe and Aharon had, not because he wanted to better the situation for B'nai Israel, just because he wanted that power himself. We see what Miles Braun did. None of the things that allowed him to rise to power were his own ideas. It was just that he took advantage of other people's ideas for him to rise to power because he wanted that power that other people had. Right. And, and was and was totally unconcerned with uh, the, the well-being of other people, even the people uh, who he was using to get to that power, as as you noted, with his development of this, you know, hydrogen uh, fuel that was um, extremely uh, unstable, untested and, and dangerous. Um, it, it didn't really matter so long as it uh, it, it made him rich and famous and, and powerful. And I think that, you know, what you're what you're pointing to there with I love the Korach analogy. Um, because what, what kept on going through my mind was the statement in, in Pirkei Avot, uh, in, in the Mishnah, um, that says, uh, um, uh, one who seeks fame destroys their name. Uh, and, uh, and, and so you, you, you see this in the, in the context of the movie. I mean, that's ultimately the point, right? Is that he wanted to, you know, create something that would enable him to, uh, be mentioned, remembered in the same breath as Leonardo da Vinci, that his, that his inventions would be, you know, uh, equivalent to the Mona Lisa, he gets his wish, but it's just not in the way that that he that he wanted. And I think that that um, is, you know, uh, uh, not uh, uh, not uncommon, right? So I, I think we we see this with with Donald Trump. It's it, you know he's still the odds-on favorite uh, to be the Republican frontrunner president. He may yet be president again. Um, he may not, uh, you know, uh, implode. Uh, but I think history will remember him uh, in in infamy. Um, I think his name is uh, sufficiently and appropriately uh, destroyed, uh, in part because, you know, all he uh, really sought for himself was, um, was, was uh, power and fame. Um, and, uh, and, you know, it didn't really matter to him how he got it. Um, and as we now have seen in the release of his tax returns and the fact that he's, you know, being referred to for criminal prosecution, maybe that will happen, maybe it won't. Um, but, but we know the, the, the crimes that he has committed, the damage that he has done uh, to all of us uh, in, in getting him there. But there's another aspect of what you're saying that I think is really, really important. 
which is, you know, the, what the movie, what Glass Onion uh, exposes um, are the roles of those sycophants um, in, uh, in in propping up those, you know, uh, ignoble people for their own benefit as well, right? So, you know, we see this, I mean, uh, bringing up Donald Trump as I think a really uh, a, a good example of this, that people are, are you know, very willing uh, to sell their values and sell their souls uh, for, uh, for, for proximity to power when it, when it benefits their own, um, you know, selfish interests, right? Uh, Catherine Hahn's character wants to be a Senator, right? Uh, uh, Dave Batista's character wants to be a, a powerful influencer. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Kate Hudson's character wants to be, you know, at the top of the, uh, fashion world again, uh, despite, you know, being willing to say, uh, 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 horrible things and uninformed things and dangerous things. Um, anti-Semitic tropes, by the way, right. right. That, that was the joke at the beginning. Cause she had no idea that calling somebody or something as Jewy, meaning cheap right. had anything to do with the Jewish people or Judaism. Right. Um, and so there's this, um, this, you know, symbiotic relationship between uh b- between the you know the 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 chief grifter right and the people who are willing to uh support that grift and empower that grift in order to benefit themselves like they need each other um which is which is why i think it's really important not only for us to focus uh, our attention on the on on the crimes and moral failings of someone like donald the danger of someone like donald trump um uh, the danger of someone like Kanye West, um, but also the the ways in which um, you know plenty of people are willing to remain silent or to actively support those people when they perceive it to be in in their own self interest. Um, and I think that that you know Judaism argues for um, the the approach of integrity, right? Even integrity basically means, right, being willing to do the right thing, even when it's against your own self-interest. I think I think that's absolutely right. You know, we quote the Mishnah from the beginning of, of chapter four of Avot a lot um, for different reasons, but there are four aspects of, of that Mishnah that Ben Zoma teaches that are all connected, and I think all play a role in the commentary that Ryan Johnson is is trying uh, to help us understand and appreciate, right? Benzoma teaches who is wise, one who learns from everyone, who is strong, one who conquers their, their own anger or evil inclination, who is rich, one who is happy with their portion, who is honored, one who honors their fellow. Uh, and, and we see when somebody is egotistical, when somebody is in a position of power and just for their sake, uh, we see that why that falls and, and and fails in comparison to what Benzoma teaches, right? You have a refusal to learn from everyone that Miles Braun refuses to listen to uh, Leslie Odom Jr.'s character, who's supposed to be the smartest in the room, or even Andy Brand's character, who was really responsible for the creation of Alpha, um, about the danger of using hydrogen. Uh, who is mighty, one who subdues their anger. You see that he's so concerned with staying in power, he is willing to do the unthinkable. He is willing to do, uh, he is willing to murder somebody or several people in that case, right? How many people that we know who we think, oh, they're just grifters in positions of power are willing to do illegal things? Um, I'll give you a hint, right? They used to be president of the United States 
in order to stay in power, are willing to um, right, right, encourage uh, an insurrection uh, coup to stay in power. We have the teaching who is rich, one who's happy with their lot. Why does Miles Braun need to have uh, the Mona Lisa in his possession? Uh, is it because he, he needs to show off his wealth? Is it because he thought that money would equal happiness uh, when in fact money doesn't equal happiness and, and he needs to keep acquiring more material goods and he ends up being so upset when uh, Helen, right, when Janelle Monet's character ends up destroying, as you said, all the, the, the glass, all of these uh, structures, all of these sculptures, all of this stuff that you would think leads to his happiness. Um, and then finally, who is honored, one who honors his fellow human beings. That is the change in the story finally at the very end um, when this group of disruptors, all who he controlled or, or through blackmail uh, or the idea of power and influence, finally were willing to stand up and say, um, you don't honor me. And so I refuse to tell your lies anymore. Right. And, and you know, one of the things that I loved about the movie is that um, uh, Benoit Blanc, uh, you know, in, in uh, unraveling the mystery uh, uh, in the third act, um, you know, keeps on saying like, like, it's just so stupid. Right. Um, because what it, what it shows is that, uh, you know, these people that we venerate for being geniuses um, are are generally speaking not necessarily like you know well-rounded geniuses. They may have been like particularly adept at at one thing, um, if that right. And you know, as we see from you know, Elon Musk, um, maybe he's a savant uh, at like one particular thing, uh, but he also you know turned an inherited fortune into you know a slightly more of a fortune. Same with Donald Trump, right? As you can see from his tax returns, right? He sort of was a, a, a adept at. Uh, taking the fortune he inherited from his father uh, and uh, using it to build a brand for himself and, and to get power for himself is not not intelligent, right? Um, but maybe shrewd, right? So Benoit Blanc kind of exposes at the end, like like don't don't um, uh, don't don't uh, mistake uh, uh, shrewdness and um, uh, uh, you know unscrupulousness uh, for uh, for for intelligence. Right, uh, you know, value true wisdom, and th uh, that's why I love the that metaphor of the glass breaking, glass shattering, that glass onion destroying. It reminds me of a, a teaching in the Talmud that words of Torah uh, are like gold and like glass. Um, so, uh, so in what way are words of Torah like gold and glass? They're hard to acquire, like gold, um, and and easy to uh, to to break, easy to lose. Uh, like like glass objects, right? So so we have that in this movie that uh, that you know that from Miles Braun's perspective, right? Glass is the hard thing to acquire. He's worked all of his life. To, gold was easy. He just had to grift his way to getting it, right? But the glass was the hard thing to acquire. And what uh, Janelle Monet's character reveals is like, no, glass can be shattered, right? Um, uh, but but wisdom. Right is actually hard to to attain, and you have not attained wisdom. You've just attained a house of glass. Or as I say, right, don't throw stones when you live in a glass house. Um, that he was essentially living in a house of cards, and eventually, 
when he started this power play, his house would ultimately be destroyed. Um, or, or, or as Eminem says with 50 cent and patiently waiting, you know, you shouldn't throw stones if you live in a glass house. And if you got a glass jaw, you better watch your mouth because I'll break your face. Okay. <laughs> um, there's, there's, there's one other thing that I wanted to bring up, uh, which I loved in the movie, but I'm wondering if you have a, a, a thought about what it all means, Jesse. Uh, so uh, we didn't mention uh, Daryl, the slacker who lives on Miles Island, played by Noah Noah Segan, Noah Segan, um, which you know was kind of like a Big Lebowski. Uh, Jeff Bridges kind of character who sort of wanders on scene periodically to say, oh, I'm just I'm just hanging out. I'm not really here. He's, you know, smoking a, a joint at the end of the movie with uh, with Daniel Craig's Benoit Blanc, you know, smoking a cigar, uh, just kind of like watching everything explode all around him. It, you, you think that that's going to pay off in some way that maybe he has a, a role to play in the greater mystery, but really, nope. He's just, you know, this slacker that is uh, freeloading off of uh, off of Miles Braun. Um, what what do you make of uh, of the presence of that character? I mean, there is obviously just some comic relief. He's like, oh, I'm not here. I'm not here. It's certainly comic relief. Uh, Noah Sagan, like Joseph Gordon-Levitt, has been in every one of Ryan Johnson's uh, films and, and shows. So I think it's partially about that. Um, I think he's meant to be mysterious. I think he's meant to throw you off the 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 trail a little bit and think what is his role. I think it also shows, um, I would say two things. One, how people in positions of power will take in somebody who is in need and somebody who is vulnerable as a scapegoat if they need to place the blame on somebody, although it doesn't play out, uh, right? When, when, when you have the, the 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 drunken high guy hanging out all the time and you need somebody to blame, it's easy to place the blame on that person um, and we say, oh, is he opening up his home to this person or is he actually taking advantage of this person? Um, Noah Sagan was, was actually, um, uh, right. He was a detective in the first Knives Out movie. He was, uh, Trooper Wagner, I believe he, not a detective, but, but a rather, uh, a, an officer. Police officer. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and I think it really fits perfectly with that image of the glass onion, you know, glass, uh, glass is obviously transparent. Um, so you can see through to the to the middle of it. And, you know, as as anybody who's ever worked with an onion knows that there isn't actually a center of an onion, right? It just is all these layers and then it falls apart. Um, so glass onion is, you know, it, you can you can see that there's actually nothing inside, um, which is, I think, really brilliant. And it plays off of that uh, song by the Beatles, which I actually didn't quite realize was a Beatles song uh, until the end credits. Um, but that song is really about it. It's like it, it's it's playing on the, you know, uh, that the propensity that uh, that Beatles fans have to read into the meaning of these lyrics. And it sort of plays on, you know, uh, we sang about Eye of the Walrus and Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds and Strawberry Fields and whatever. And these songs don't actually really mean anything. Um, there's really nothing in the center, right? They're just they're just songs that we that we sang. Um, and uh, and and so you know, Daryl, that that Noah Sagan character, um, uh, uh, is is sort of the the hollow center at the heart of the glass onion. He's just he's just a dude who's there, right? And uh, and that's really you know, Edward Norton is that guy too. Uh, Edward Norton was just a dude who was in the right place at the right time and took advantage of it. Yeah, I, I also think um, 
you know, is it also a commentary on how um, we see people with power and money and influence, how they bring their, their, their supporting cast along the way, um, how their supporting cast sometimes sort of takes advantage of another person's power, money, and influence. Um, is this philanthropic? Uh, what, what um, he, he's doing, what Miles Braun is doing, or is Daryl sort of taking advantage of another person's wealth? Well, no, I mean, we know it's not, I mean, it may be philanthropic for Daryl, right. For that one person. But I think that actually is, is a really important point is that, you know, maybe on some level it's meant to show, look how magnanimous Miles Braun is. He's just letting this guy, you know, hang out, you know, that doesn't, doesn't charge him rent or anything, right? Presumably. Um, but, and we see this, we, we sort of like excuse the immoral behavior, uh, immoral business models, uh, uh, immoral products of, you know, some of these tech oligarchs um, when they do, you know, these, these like acts of charity for, for, for people. Um, but uh, as you saw at the beginning, right. Uh, uh, when the, when, when the folks come to Miles Braun's Island, he sprays something in their mouth that says, you can now take off your masks. You're inoculated against COVID. He has the cure for COVID and he's only giving it to his multimillionaire guests who come to a party on his private Island for a weekend. Or uh, it, it, it's either, right. Is it the cure for COVID? Is it a vaccine or is it a rapid test, which in, in you know, early COVID, we didn't even, we didn't even have um, tests. Right. Well, whatever. Right? What, you couldn't right, get PCR tests. You certainly couldn't get a rapid test in the, in the pharmacy. Right. Whatever it is, right, he has something that the rest of the public doesn't have access to. And instead of saying, right, like I could mass produce this, whether it's a vaccine, whether it's a cure, whether it's a rapid test, I could mass produce this using all of the uh, resources at my disposal. I can make sure that every person in the world has access to this. Um, instead, you just, you know, look at this like sweet little thing you get for being my buddy and coming to my private island for a weekend. Exactly. Right. So, um, you know, Jeff Bezos could solve world hunger tomorrow if he wanted to. Right. right. With all of his wealth, frankly. Right. Right. And instead, right. Uh, Elon Musk, right. Could, um, uh, could, 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 you know, end income inequality in, in, in the U S right. But instead um, has invested billions into turning Twitter into a platform for the alt-right. You know, <clears throat> when Hillel teaches, Right. If I'm only for my, if I'm not for myself, who will be for me? If I'm only for myself, what am I? Teaches them in the same Mishnah, uh, because we need to look out for ourselves. But we are quickly reminded what happens when we only look out for ourselves, and I think that's really what this is getting at. Uh, that we are at fault when we are only looking out for ourselves, and you see those with positions of power only looking out for themselves, right? The more money you have, the less they want to pay in taxes. Amazon pays $0 in taxes, right? It's crazy. Uh, and uh, they they want to keep their power, keep their money. Don't think that they need to share that with anybody else. Right. Uh, and so I, 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 I really appreciate that commentary of, of the movie that says, you know, why do we celebrate these people um, who may have made transformational uh, products, may have made, uh, uh, you know, invented 
meaningful things, although you know, maybe they're not disruptors in the way that they think they are, maybe they're not innovators in the way they think they are. But you know, I mean, uh, uh, you know, Apple made some very exciting, arguably revolutionary products that, that have changed our way of life. It's not inherently bad. That may be a, a, a neutral, uh, but uh, but we we sort of because they've done that, we give a pass. Uh, to everything else, right? Or even it, uh, uh, the opposite of giving a pass, we celebrate it, right? We say, like, we venerate these people and say, like, that's the ticket. Like, what? that's what I need to do is just, you know, be as rich as possible, even if it means hurting people, and even if it means that, um, that, that you know, uh, that, that other people um, uh, won't be able to benefit from any largesse that I may or may not have. Well, let us know what you think of Glass Onion streaming now on Netflix. Nominated actually for a Golden Globe for Best Picture. In the we'll talk about a Glass category, Onion. As well as uh, Best Actor uh, for Daniel Craig. But uh, I don't know how, how much we, we think uh, Golden Globes have any uh, say or power or influence anymore. Uh, and join us next time. Until next time, I am Rabbi Jesse Olitsky. And I am Rabbi Michael Knopf. Take care, everyone.